Joshua chapter 24, verse 14. Now therefore fear the Lord and serve him in sincerity and in faithfulness. Put away the gods that your fathers served beyond the river and in Egypt and serve the Lord. And if it is evil in your eyes to serve the Lord, choose this day whom you will serve, whether the gods your fathers served in the region beyond the river or the gods of the Amorites in whose land you dwell. But as for me and my house, we will serve the Lord. Then the people answered, Far be it from us that we should forsake the Lord to serve other gods. For it is the Lord our God who brought us and our fathers up from the land of Egypt, out of the house of slavery, and who did those great signs in our sight and preserved us in all the way that we went and among all the peoples through whom we passed. And the Lord drove out before us all the peoples, the Amorites who lived in the land. Therefore, we also will serve the Lord. For he is our God. But Joshua said to the people, You are not able to serve the Lord, for he is a holy God. He is a jealous God. He will not forgive your transgressions or your sins. If you forsake the Lord and serve foreign gods, then he will turn and do you harm and consume you after having done you good. And the people said to Joshua, No. But we will serve the Lord. And then Joshua said to the people, You are witnesses against yourselves that you have chosen the Lord to serve him. And they said, We are witnesses. He said, Then put away the foreign gods that are among you and incline your heart to the Lord, the God of Israel. And the people said to Joshua, The Lord our God we will serve and his voice we will obey. So Joshua made a covenant with the people that day and put in place statutes and rules for them at Shechem. And Joshua wrote these words in the book of the law of God. And he took a large stone and set it up there under the terebinth that was by the sanctuary of the Lord. And Joshua said to all the people, Behold, this stone shall be a witness against us for it has heard all the words of the Lord that he spoke to us. Therefore, it shall be a witness against you, lest you deal falsely with your God. So Joshua sent the people away, every man to his inheritance. Here ends the Old Testament reading. Let me pray for us. Heavenly Father, as we open up your word this morning, help me to explain things clearly and for each one of us through my words to hear your voice. Help us in Jesus' name. Amen. Well, folks, from the moment your alarm clock goes off in the morning, we are faced with a sandstorm of choices, are we not? To snooze or not to snooze? That is the question. To hop in the shower or simply take a little bit of deodorant and do some squishing? That's another. And then there's what to wear and how to do our hair and what to have for breakfast. And if, like me, you have small people living in your choice, 
then you are living in your house, then one of the big choices you will have to make first thing in the morning is how to handle the daughter who is running around saying she can't find her shoes, even though they're exactly where she dumped them the night before. Or the son who is lying on his bedroom floor with his pants halfway up his legs going, I can't do it. I'm too tired. Will you be patient and nurturing or will you lose it and start World War III over your children's glacial attempts to get ready to get out of the house? Choices, choices, choices. Folks, researchers have estimated that we make 35,000 different decisions every day. 35,000. And of course, they can range from the very trivial, like what breakfast cereal to have, to the more important and serious ones, like how to use our time and our money and our talents. But ultimately, all of those choices boil down to a choice between two things. Following Jesus or not following Jesus. Letting Jesus be Lord and King of our life. Or letting something or someone else be our master. And that is the big issue in this final chapter of the book of Joshua that we're looking at on our anniversary Sunday. Joshua is coming to the end of his life. And these are his final words to the people he has led for a generation. And he is passionately concerned that they will make the right choices when he's gone. And he says, that amidst the bewildering array of choices that face us every day, every week, every year, through our lives, there, there is one major choice that will underline and underpin every single choice we make. And it's there in verses 14 and 15. And it's this. Are you going to serve the Lord God? Or are you going to serve other gods, the false gods that are around you? Well, Joshua's made up his mind. <laughs> he tells us at the end of verse 15, as for me and my house, we will serve the Lord. But what about us? What choices are we going to be making as individuals, uh, but also as a church as we reflect on our first two years here being a church, and we look into the future and try and figure out where is God leading us, will we be able to echo what Joshua says here? As for me and my house, whatever happens, no matter what happens, we will serve the Lord and Him alone. That's the challenge of this passage, and in order to follow in His footsteps, Joshua encourages us to do three things. Here's the first one. Remember what the Lord has done. The first 13 verses of this chapter are basically a potted history of God's saving actions on behalf of his people. Take a look at verse 1 with me, will you? It says, Joshua gathered all the tribes of Israel to Shechem and summoned the elders, the heads, the judges, and the officers of Israel. And they presented themselves before God. This is a momentous occasion. In a momentous location, Joshua gathers God's people at Shechem, which may not sound like much to you, but to the people of God, this is like the Wembley of their kind of um, experience. Uh, because this is the very same spot where 500 years earlier, their great, 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 great grandfather Abraham had stood. And heard God promise to you and your offspring, I will give this land 
Some of us looked at that in our midweek groups this week if um, uh, the beast from the east didn't prevent us from getting there. But that was an amazing promise. Because at the time, Abraham was 75 years old, and he and his wife, Sarah, were childless. And it seemed much more likely that Newcastle United would win the Premier League, or, well, actually, thinking about it, it seemed much more likely even that Sunderland would uh, win the Premier League. Sorry, I don't want to ruffle too many feathers there. But it seemed much more likely that, that Sunderland, or, or even, sorry, brother, but Leeds United, Jonathan Redfern's team, that they would win the Premier League rather than God's promise to Abraham would ever come true. It was impossible. Indeed, left to Abraham and Sarah, it would never come true. And yet now here they were, the descendants of Abraham, thousands of them in the land, having been through all kinds of impossible situations, gathered at Shechem on the very spot where the promise had been given. God's promises had come true. He had done what no one else could do. And that is the point of the verses that follow. Let's have a quick whiz through the next 10 verses of this chapter. This is the Lord speaking. Verse 3. I took your father Abraham from beyond the river and led him. I gave him Isaac. Verse 4. I gave him Jacob and Esau. I gave Esau the hill country. Verse 5. I sent Moses and Aaron. I plagued Egypt. I brought you out. Verse 7. You saw what? Your eyes saw what I did. Verse 8, I brought you to the land. I gave, I destroyed. Verse 10, I delivered. Verse 11, I gave. Verse 12, I sent. And verse 13, I gave you a land on which you had not labored and cities that you had not built and you dwell in them. And you eat the fruit of the vineyards and olive orchards that you did not plant. Do you see? Now, listen, 18 times God says to them, I did that. God was behind all of these great moments that had made them a people and had given them this land to make a home. And the point of this GCSE bite-sized history of Israel, pride. Because it would be all too easy for the Israelites to look back on this long, successful campaign and say, ha, ha. Look at what we did. (laughs) Look at how great we are. This gathering of the people could easily break out into one of those big back-slapping occasions like the Brit Awards or the Oscars. And the winner of the best leader in a Middle Eastern military campaign is... Joshua, son of Nun! Yay! Come on up, Joshua. And Joshua in his acceptance speech... He could come and he could say, oh, guys, do you remember? Guys, do you remember? You know, when, um, when, when we, 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 were, we were trapped in Egypt, but we got out of there because of our amazing negotiation skills. Do you remember when we, we made the walls of Jericho just fall down because of our outrageous and just, you know, ferocious trumpet playing? Come on, everybody, come on. We are the champions, my friends. Dum, dum. So I'm getting a little bit carried away, getting in, getting in role there. But, but, but you see, that's what success so often does, maybe in subtler ways for you and I. Well, not me, actually, obviously. But that's what success does, doesn't it? Whether it's the personal achievements of career or relationship success, or the shared success of um, the encouraging start we've had as a church here over the last couple of years. Any kind of success that we have can tempt us to be smug, 
and take pride in ourselves rather than God and everything he has done for us. And folks, pride is deadly because it keeps us occupied, shriveled up inside ourselves rather than looking to the God who gives us all good things and calls us to do all good things. Given to pride and we become self-obsessed. I mean, what stops us from serving others, putting their needs before ours? Pride, because we think our needs are much more important than others. What's our biggest hindrance to prayer? Pride, because we think that we have things together enough that we don't need to pray. What keeps us from reading our Bibles and listening to God every day? Well, it's pride, isn't it? Because we think we know it all already and that skipping a few days won't really matter. Pride is deadly because it makes us think that we can cope in life without God. And that's just the attitude Joshua was seeking to challenge in the hearts of the Israelites by encouraging them not only to remember what God had done, but also to, secondly, remember that God is not an optional extra. Dive back into Joshua 24 with me, will you? Verse 14 again. Now therefore fear the Lord and serve him in sincerity and in faithfulness. Which seems like a no-brainer when, you, when we remember everything that God has done for us. But our hearts are too easily distracted and we forget. So Joshua goes on, put away the gods that your father served beyond the river and in Egypt and serve the Lord. And if it is evil in your eyes to serve the Lord... Choose this day whom you will serve, whether the gods your father served in the region beyond the river or the gods of the Amorites in whose land you dwell. Now, did you notice what the choice was there? It's not choose to serve the Lord or don't choose to serve him. It's serve the Lord or you will end up serving some other god. To which you might say, but you don't understand, Ken. It's not that I want to serve other gods. It's just that I don't want to serve the Lord God. Or at least, not at the moment or not yet. I just want to be in neutral for a while. But folks, Joshua is telling us here that there's no such thing as spiritual neutral. You can't sit on the wall. We are made by God to worship him. We are, in fact, therefore, worshippers by nature. So if we won't serve the Lord we will inevitably find other things to worship. And if you won't believe Joshua, then listen to what Jesus says in Matthew 6. He says there, no one can serve two masters. No one. Either will hate the one and love the other, or be devoted to one and despise the other. You see, God is not some optional extra that we can just add and subtract in and out of our lives when it suits us. No, we're not just to believe in him, not just to trust him to take us to heaven when we die, but to serve him now as the undisputed number one in our lives. But if we won't live for God's glory, folks, this is what happens. Our hearts get kidnapped and we will prioritize other things above and beyond God. And then we will expect God Not to be God, but just some kind of divine waiter who we assume will give us whatever we want 
as if we're the master and he's the servant. And if he doesn't go along with us, then we'll just ditch him. Or if he's inconvenient or he somehow embarrasses us, then we'll shove him to a cupboard, cupboard at the back of our lives. Now, we may not even notice at first that we are doing that. But remember, life is a series of choices. And every single day, we will make decisions which will either strengthen our relationship with Jesus or see us drifting further and further away from him. It's like the tracks diverting on a railway line. At some, some point, you have to choose whether you're going to take the left track or the right to worship the Lord or to pursue someone else or something else for our security and satisfaction. And the day you make a decision, it's no big deal. It seems as if your life is still running parallel with God's will. But as the weeks and months pass by and the years go by, you inevitably find your life drifting off in a totally different direction. And I guess that's why Joshua calls the people in verse 15 to choose this day whom you will serve. Choose now. Don't beat around the bush. Don't delay. Choose today. So maybe you've got some decisions, some big decisions you need to make at work. It may be a choice between furthering your career or standing firm for Christ. I mean, it'd be great if you could do both. I really wish you could, but we all know there are moments when it's got to be one or the other. So choose to serve Christ today. Don't say, maybe I'll take a stand next time. Or what about relationship decisions? Will you go out with someone who has no concern for the things of Jesus Christ? Or will you be willing to give up that person, maybe even that dream, in order to be free to wholeheartedly follow Jesus? Don't let that decision linger. Say yes to Jesus today. Folks, there are all sorts of things in the world crying out for your attention, grabbing for control of your life, and quite frankly, making a play for your soul. Which is why Joshua calls us to fear the Lord and serve him in sincerity and in faithfulness. Because if we don't serve him, then we will serve something else, something less worthy than him, something less beautiful, something less wonderful, something less good for us than him. And so the people of Israel gathered there at Shechem. They answer in verses 16 and 18. They say, far be it from us that we should forsake the Lord to serve other gods. We also will serve the Lord, for he is our God. Which brings us to Joshua's third and final encouragement. <laughs> Folks, what an amazing gift of encouragement Joshua has, as he says. Remember, though, <laughs> you cannot do this. <laughs> do you see that in verse 19? But Joshua said to the people, You are not able to serve the Lord, for he is a holy God. He is a jealous God. He will not forgive your transgressions or your sins if you forsake the Lord and serve foreign gods, then he will turn and do you harm and consume you after having done you good. The people here, they've pledged allegiance to the Lord. If, if I'm Joshua, I'd be, going, I'd be kind of doing fist pumps like tennis players. Yes, get in! You know, and kind of posting on Facebook. Um, what a result today at St. Joseph's Church. Hashtag revival. 
Yeah, Joshua. <laughs> Seth the Lord? <laughs> no. I don't think you can do that. I don't think you're up for that. What is going on here? Is Joshua being some kind of cantankerous old codger? I mean, he is, after all, over 100 years by this point. Well, rest assured, these are not the words of some grumpy old man. This is the advice of a wise old saint. Joshua had heard it all before. And then he'd seen the Israelites turn away from God time after time after time. He knows that they are mistaking brave words in the heat of the moment for the long walk of faithful obedience. The point is that Joshua is right. They and we also cannot serve the Lord as we should. By our own strength, we could never do it. Of course, we should pledge our allegiance to him. But as we do, we must realize that we are too weak to keep the promises we've made. Folks, this is the starting point of genuine faith. Realizing we can't do it. And it's actually the way that we keep going on in faith. Knowing that we can't keep our promises. But that God can. Joshua knows that we must somehow stand between the you are not able to serve the Lord, of verse 19, and the remembering what the Lord can do, of verses 1 to 13. And intriguingly, he says that the key to doing that is to fear him. Did you notice that in back, verse, back in verse 14? Joshua invited the people to fear the Lord and serve him with faithfulness. To which you might say, ha, you know, there's no way I would serve anyone that I was afraid of. I mean, that's exactly the kind of person I wouldn't serve. But the fear of the Lord is not fear of an unknown, unnamed threat to our well-being and happiness. No, it is respect and admiration for a God who, when we really get to know him, we find that he is actually the source of all well-being and happiness understood this much better than I've ever done before uh, when I played monsters with our kids when they were um, uh, much younger, when they were just little kids. I don't know if you've ever played uh, monsters. Um, don't worry, I'll fill you, fill you in. Here's how monsters uh, used to go in our household. Um, uh, I would basically, your know, kids would run off into another room and I would basically um, give them a little bit of time to get settled there and I'd run into the room and I'd go, Rah, I'm coming to get you. And they would laugh and they would uh, giggle and scream and then go, again, daddy. Um, and so I would leave the room and then, and then come in by another door and go, I'm coming to get you. And they'd laugh and scream and go, again, daddy, but louder. But there was this one time where we'd, I'd just gone in for my third roar um, and, was, and was coming in for my fourth and I, and I went, right, okay, come on. I'm really going to give this one some, some gusto. And so I came rushing and I went, I'm coming to get you. And this was too much for little Kate, who was only two at the time. And she burst into tears and she ran. But you know what was really interesting? It was where she ran. She ran to me and she grabbed my legs. And I picked her up and I gave her a cuddle. If we're scared of someone, you run from them, don't we? Not to them. 
But in her fear, Kate ran to me, not from me. And she did exactly the right thing there. Because while I was scary, I am scary as a monster, can I just say, I've, I've gone easy on you this morning, okay? Because I don't want to frighten the timid of heart. But while I am scary, I'm also her daddy. I love her so much, and I would do anything for her. And she knows that. And folks, that's what it means to fear the Lord. <laughs> when we fear him, we run to him if we know him as our loving heavenly daddy. In some ways, he is scary. He is way bigger and stronger and purer than us. We know that from verse 19. He's a perfect God, a protective God, who can't be flippant about sin. And we know from verse 20 that follows that if we stand against him, then he could snuff us out in an instant. But we also know from the rest of the Bible that he is our perfect heavenly father who loves us so much that he rescues us from our sin and our folly in Christ and provides for all of our needs. So yes, we should, like the Israelites, promise to serve the Lord. Just like Mark and Bryn, sorry, Mark Andrew and Bryn have done this morning. That's what I most want for everyone who calls this church their church on our second anniversary. But we must not make that decision casually or lightly or, or flippantly, as if it was a small thing, but fearfully, respectfully, wholeheartedly. Because God alone is worthy of our worship. Folks, there are choices to be made, so many choices to be made. So do not trust yourself. Put your trust in God, in whom all our hope can be placed. Run to him and grab hold of him and shelter under his loving care. Let me pray for us. Let me pray. Father God, help us to be totally realistic about ourselves before you this morning. Help us, we pray, not to stand on our decision for you, but on your decision for us. Help us to stand not on our words of promise to you, but on your great promises to us. Help us to stand not on any of our words to you, but on the perfect work of Jesus Christ for us. It's in his name we pray. Amen.